0: Nothing but good can come from implementing these family-friendly policies to allow for family bonding and support, especially in careers like the military, where oftentimes members are displaced from extended family support and must rely on the immediate family members to provide mental and physical support through big life events like the birth of a child.
1: Welcome to War Dogs, the military medicine podcast. This show brings you a first-hand, behind-the-scenes look into the mission, unique opportunities, and deployed experiences of the entire military healthcare team. From state-of-the-art hospitals in the United States to the most austere environments across the globe, War Docs has you covered. On this episode of War Docs, we have partnered with AMSIS, the Society of Federal Health Professionals, and its peer-reviewed journal, Military Medicine, to bring you a discussion with an author of a selected paper in the current issue of the journal. We hope that these interviews with the authors bring you additional insights, provide actionable take-home messages, and also answer some common questions from these studies that you may have. The link to today's Military Medicine Journal article can be found in the podcast show notes. I'm Major General Retired Jeff Clark, and I have the privilege to serve as Chair of the Board for War Docs and to host this episode of our podcast. Today, we are privileged to speak with Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Mane Herrick. Lieutenant Colonel Herrick is a registered dietitian and an international board-certified lactation consultant. Monet, thank you for joining us.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Today, we will be discussing Monet's article, Increasing Maternity Leave and Decreasing Attrition Rates of U.S. Active-Duty Women in the Prenatal and Immediate Postpartum Period, which is in the November-December 2023 edition of Military Medicine. I found this to be a very interesting Medically Ready Force article. Manet, let's begin by having you tell us what led you to do this research? What questions or concerns were you trying to address and what conclusions did you come to?
0: So my, my reasons were multifaceted. So first, I believe that health policy can be a positive way to impact the health of people, both inside and outside the military. And I think it's important to understand if policy has its intended outcomes. Also maternity and parental leave, as well as military recruitment are important topics in our nation right now. And I thought that this research could provide a bridge in the gap of knowledge, especially in America, with objective data on how providing paid parental leave can impact the organization. And last of all, it was pretty personal for me. I have four children that I've had on active duty and two of them I had whenever I had six weeks of maternity leave and two of them I had when I had 12 weeks of maternity leave. And I can tell you there was a stark difference for me, both physically and mentally, in my readiness to return to work and to be a good leader. with 12 weeks, I felt more ready. I had that time to bond with my child and establish my milk supply and just go back to work confidently. And I know I was a better leader and a better Air Force member, just being able to have that time to focus on my family. So the questions that I was trying to address was if the retention of talent is key Of course, retention of talent is key to the success of the military. And I wanted to see if this policy impacted that metric. When the policy was set forth, one of the objectives that the Defense Secretary set out was to attract and retain talent. And there was no published literature that looked at this objective and to see if it was met through the policy. Also recently, President Biden said earlier, this year, we are the only major economy in the world without national paid family and medical leave. So while there are several states now that have that paid leave, it still is a discussion at the federal level. And because the U.S. military is a microcosm of the U.S., I wanted to explore the question of the benefits of providing this type of leave, not only to the mother, but to the organization for which she works. So as far as the conclusions of our research, overall, we found that women who are allotted six weeks of maternity leave had significantly greater odds of leaving the military measured from the time of their initial prenatal visit to one year postpartum than those who are entitled to 12 weeks of leave. We found the crude decrease of attrition was 22% among women given 12 versus six weeks of leave. Or looking at the odds ratio, women with six weeks of leave had 1.36 times, or 36% higher odds of leaving the service when compared to women who are allotted the 12 weeks of leave.
1: Thank you for that. And so you basically had, base, had personal experience, had the opportunity to work on your PhD, do a dissertation. And so you translated that into how you might imp- also impact policy, again, growing out of a personal experience and your concern for your fellow service members and such. I think that's great. You've, you've done a little bit of this, but you, could you just summarize succinctly your, your methodology and your results for us, and then we'll get into more detail.
0: Yeah, so our data came from the Defense Eligibility and Enrollment Reporting System, which most of us in the military know as DEERS, as well as the various electronic health records. So shout out to Rick for his help with that. He was really helpful with getting that data for me. And women were identified by their first prenatal visit, and then they were followed up to 21 months from that period. So we calculated nine months for uh, pregnancy and then 12 months postpartum is what we were looking at. And we wanted to assess if they were removed from the DEER system or if their eligibility code changed. So for example, a woman maybe was married to another military member, but she separated her eligibility code might change. So that would be considered an attrition related to pregnancy. So our primary outcome was attrition cases related to pregnancy, which is we defined as removal from the DEER system within the 21 month follow period. As far as our results, We had a very large study sample, which was very, very good. So we had 67,281 pregnancy events, of which there were 14,077 attrition cases. So 21% of women were leaving the service within that 21 months uh, of pregnancy and postpartum. So 21 out of 100 Um, attrition rates of women allotted six weeks of leave was 23% versus women who were allotted 12 weeks of leave, which was 18%. That's a 22% crude decrease in attrition rate. So overall, we found that women who were younger, those who were lower ranking in the Army and Marines were more likely to leave the service regardless of maternity leave. And then when we looked at the impact of the leave policy, Women in the Army and the Navy showed the greatest retention benefit associated with the new policy, followed by the Marines. Uh, the Air Force already had the lowest attrition rates among the branches, and the decrease that we found with the 12 week leave was not as significant.
1: In the opening part of your article, I found uh, that your review of federal maternity leave uh, statute law, federal law, if you will, and Department of Defense maternity and paternity leave policy and how they have evolved over the years, very interesting. And I think our listeners would also find this helpful. So could you please summarize those for us?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the federal maternity leave started in 1993 with the enactment of the Family and Medical Leave Act, which you might know as FMLA. So this act requires up to 12 weeks of unpaid leave for mothers of newborns or adopted children, but only for companies that employ 50 or more personnel And women are only eligible if they've been employed for 12 months or longer. So many women, especially those economically disadvantaged, can't necessarily take the time off that they would like to. Even if they feel like they need to, they aren't taking the time off because it's unpaid leave. And some companies also require that parents or new mothers exhaust all their other types of leave benefits before they can take the unpaid leave. As far as the military is concerned, in the Department of Defense up until 1976, women could be involuntarily separated if they became pregnant in the service. The National Defense Authorization Acts of 2008 and 2009 were the first to allow for maternity leave. And until about 2015, women were granted six weeks of convalescent leave for the birth of a child. So this is when the Department of Navy augmented their leave to 18 weeks, But that was short-lived whenever the Secretary of Defense leave policy for 12 weeks was enacted in 2016. So the 12-week policy has been in place until actually earlier this year when the DOD expanded the policy further to provide 12 weeks of parental leave to both birth parents after a period of convalescent leave. So generally that will mean that women get the six weeks of convalescent leave and then the 12 weeks of parental leave and then fathers will get the 12 weeks of parental leave. So, yeah, it's pretty incredible, and it does include adoptive parents, and it's an amazing step forward, and it's in alignment with the international labor laws um, recommendation of 18 weeks, and it's also great that it recognizes the importance of father's bonding on the health and intellectual outcomes of children. But another piece that's really important to this puzzle is that members can also request through their change of command voluntary separation from the service with a pregnancy event. But every request is considered on a case-by-case basis. In March of last year, male-to-male couples, at least in the Air Force, now have the option of either active-duty married member to request caregiver separation. So I think that that's another awesome policy that's been implemented. And it's not limiting just to the female service member as it has been in the past, but allows the option for the family unit to decide what's best for their future military service.
1: That's excellent. i I didn't really appreciate that until I read your article, so thank you. The discussion section of your article states, and this is going to be a little bit redundant, but I think sometimes it's helpful for me to hear things more than once, uh, but your article states, in this retrospective study, cohort study of 67,281 active-duty women, that's a very large cohort, so that's good, good on you, right? we found that increased allotment of maternity leave from six weeks to 12 weeks was associated with decreased attrition rates. In other words, current DOD policy of 12 weeks of maternity leave appears to increase the likelihood that an active duty woman will will continue to serve. So you've already alluded to some of this, but are there other, other specifics of the findings that you'd like to share?
0: Yeah. So I already talked a little bit about the service specifics, but Women of lower enlisted and officer ranks also had greater retention benefits from the policy, especially among junior enlisted. So like E1 through E3 and non-commissioned officers, those E4s through E6s. And then junior officers, O1s through O3s, also showed a decrease in attrition rates following the implementation of the longer leave times. But significant changes were not seen in attrition rates between the six weeks and 12 weeks of leave among senior officers and senior NCOs and warranters. officers. But it's so important that we pay attention to this is because when we retain talent, we must be able to keep our junior members. They are the future leaders and innovators of the force. And so if we think about that through the policy, it's a really impactful um, thing.
1: So as we all know, research has limitations. So what were the limitations of your study and how might they be overcome in future research?
0: Yeah, so of course, every research project comes with limitations. So we couldn't account for separations due to other reasons to include administrative discharge. That requires a different level of clarity through the data. But it was consistent in both groups and other studies have indicated that the most common reason that women leave the service is for family reasons and for care of dependents. So our research does support that this is a valid reason for leaving. Also, our trigger for identification was their initial prenatal visit. So this could be earlier late in gestation. And it could have resulted in us tracking women a little bit longer than the 12 months postpartum that we wanted. But to ensure that we included the prenatal period, as many women separate before they deliver, actually about 39% of the cases would not have been included in our study if we only would have looked at the postpartum period. And also women in the military must report pregnancy early in command to make them exempt from deployments, physical fitness testing, or other potential fetal hazards in the work environment. So we assumed that women were reporting prenatal care earlier, especially in this population. We also were able to account for live birth in the methodology. That is a limitation as well, because depending if a baby is sadly lost during gestation, their allotment, I guess, for maternity leave may differ depending on the command and the week's gestation. And then there were some other drivers to departure from the military, such as social changes, military, secular changes, and employment rates that we couldn't control for. However, unemployment rates were consistently on the decline over the period of our study, which would have made leaving the military and finding a civilian job more alluring during the years when 12 weeks of leave were provided. So that could have potentially been skewed our results closer to the null towards no effect, but we did find that significant effect.
1: You mentioned Secretary of Defense Axton Carter. I think it was in 2016. That's when the DOD policy was changed to increase maternity leave from six to 12 weeks. And it was intended, and I quote, to encourage workforce recruitment and retention and help the well-being of military families. And recruitment and retention is always important. The well-being of military families is always important. As you know, each of the services are having challenges with recruitment which makes, I think, your, your, your research and findings especially important. So, so what do your findings suggest need to be further studied to achieve this intent of recruitment and retention and help the well-being of military families?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So additional qualitative studies to understand women's perspective on the policy, as well as how they feel like the policy has impacted their family dynamic studies on the military to assess diversity in the workforce and productivity and morale, while also to understand if the other policy objectives were met. I also think that further policy and research should be done um, to grasp the impact on attrition, family dynamics, and paternal bonding with the child and infant with the new 2023 parental leave policy. Talking with spouses of active duty members and understanding their reaction to the policy change as if it impacts their views on the military, they might desire to continue to serve. And this is an interesting factor in retention as well, because family dynamics can play a really important role. My colleague, Dr. Chai, and I have also have two more articles that are related to this topic that will be hopefully coming out soon in military medicine. One is on the same maternity leave policy and postpartum depression. And the other one is on the Air Force policy change in postpartum fitness and physical readiness implications of that change. So it just goes back to that medically ready force that you were talking about. But I believe that nothing but good can come from implementing these family-friendly policies to allow for family bonding and support, especially in careers like the military, where oftentimes members are displaced from extended family support and must rely on the immediate family members to provide mental and physical support through big life events like the birth of a child. So policy like this sends an important message to military members and their families. It tells them that the DOD understands that the vitality of the military family is essential to mission success, and that service members really need to have the margin to take care of their families.
1: Recruitment and retention is obviously important. Retaining talent in our military so we continue to do the things that our nation asks us to do is clearly important, but the well-being of military families and just taking care of our people is always a fundamental thing that leaders should be especially focused on. So thank you for that. And thank you for doing additional research in this area that, as you say, will be published in military medicine in the coming months. So that's good. So as we close, could you give us your 30-second elevator speech about why this paper is important and why folks should take the time to read it?
0: So parental leave and military recruitment are both hot topics in our country right now. Understanding the cost and benefits of family leave to the individual as well as the organization is important. Retaining talent is a significant marker of success in the military, and recruiting and training new personnel can be very costly. Providing women with paid maternity leave is one way to improve retention, as is shown by our study, it decreases attrition by 22%. Further, those that respond most positively to this type of leave are those who are younger and of lower the rank, and these members are the future of the force. So research like this can also provide a glimpse into the influence of paid parental leave policy should it be implemented nationwide. Thank you. Our War Docs
1: guest has been Lieutenant Colonel Monet Herrick, U.S. Air Force. I encourage our listeners to read her article in Military Medicine, Increasing Maternity Leave and Decreasing Attrition Rates of U.S. Active-Duty Women in the Prenatal and Immediate Postpartum Period. It's in the upcoming November and December 2023 edition of the Military Medicine Journal. And if any of our listeners are not already a member of AMSYS and receiving this outstanding journal, I encourage you to join AMSYS today. And so, Lieutenant Colonel Herrick Manet, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, and, and thank you. Thank you for your research and for taking the time and effort to publish in Military Medicine. Thank you for joining us on War Docs, the Military Medicine Podcast, and we thank you and your entire family. For your service to our nation and to all of our listeners, thank you for joining us. May God bless. Thank you for listening to War Docs. We sure hope you enjoyed it. War Docs is a nonprofit organization supported by donations from listeners like you. Please follow and subscribe to our show on whatever platform you consume your podcasts, and rate and review this episode, and share the show with your contacts on social media. Find out more information about our show, our guests, and how to become a member of Team War Docs on WarDocsPodcast.com. Thank you for your support. If you like war stories and medical drama, War Docs has you covered. Spread the word.